I don't know if you'd rather hear me or hear, hear the men's force. This is in place of that, so, so we don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, a testimony. What is what is a testimony? A testimony. You know, I was thinking. I remember doing this here years and years ago, right out here here in front off that porch, remember we circled around. But you know, your testimony is continuously evolving. It's continuously growing. You know, most of the time you think of a testimony of a specific time in history or place where you were saved. But a testimony is what God has not only done in your life, but what he is continuing to do and there's a lot of things in the past four or five years that he has really been working in my heart and showing me <clears throat> there's i mean i could i could probably be up here for the next 45 minutes so to eliminate that i wrote some things down um so what is the testimony? It could it could be when you were saved, where you were at. But it's always about what God has done and is doing in your life. Or even what he is teaching you. You should be a walking testimony to God's glory. In the past, I grew up, I grew up, most of you know I grew up on this property. Raised by my grandparents. Uh, going to this this little chapel right down here one room chapel my grandfather that i was raised by was not uh he was not the preacher but he owned all this property and so he would he would bring different ministers in here and i can remember going down to that little one room that had an oil heater in it on uh, on sunday mornings about daylight in the winter time lighting that oil heater and getting it warm and things in there waiting for the pastor to come and uh, it was a pentecostal church i'm sure most of you are familiar with pentecostals i was very familiar still am familiar <laughs> <laughs> never remembering an altar call now if you know much about pentecostals you know they give altar calls but to me growing up and I, when i say growing up it was when I can remember, it's probably about five or six to about uh, 12 years old. And I can never remember them giving an altar call in that church. I remember people running around the, the pews, <laughs> fainting in the floor. I can remember a lot of things, but I can't remember an altar call. Uh, so I have a little bit of church background. Uh, but I never doubted, I never doubted that there was a God. Most people, most people you talk to, really, I don't know anybody. I don't know if I've ever met anybody that just did not believe that, that this world in which we lived in was created. You know, and I, I talked to Charlie about that. And yeah, he, he believes that there's a creator, you know. I don't believe, but I, I never doubted it. 
Um, I even had my grandfather, the one that uh, I was not raised by, preach in that little church. I've heard him, heard him preach there several times. You know, looking back now, not knowing, uh, not knowing for certain that he was saved. You know, by, by different things that I can remember him saying and different different lifestyles. That's that's not not realizing that there would be a day of accountability. You know that that was the key. That's that's the key to becoming a believer. I think is realizing in your personal life. That there's going to be a day of accountability. You can believe that there's a God, but if you don't believe that you're going to be held accountable, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I never, I never, I never believed that. I never really thought about that. You know, you don't think about things like that. So in my early teens, 12, 13, I chose not to go to church. My parents lived here, in a little four-room house right here, and I lived up the street where I live now on all this property. So I had a choice of going to church or not going to church. My mom and dad didn't go, but my grand, grand, grandfather, I, I don't remember my grandmother going a whole lot. She was sick. But anyhow, so I had a choice. My grandfather died in 1977. <clears throat> you know, and, and uh, you think of you think of a lot of things. I wasn't I wasn't a believer at that point. I was probably 16, 15, 16, something like that. Looking in at his body, lying in that coffin, I could see a smile on his face. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. And it, it sounds weird, I know it does. You know, and I asked people, I said, I said, did you see a smile? Um, I called him Papa. I said, you see a smile on Papa's face? No. You know, most dead people's got that real, just a serious look. But I can, I can see a smile. I can remember that to this day. That's, um, that's unusual. So just after he died, just me and my grand, grandmother, I called her Granny, lived in the trailer. Uh, I was living for the weekend. You know, it was it, it, interesting. My, it's just me and my grandmother. So on Friday nights, used to cruise Main Street. So on Friday nights, I would cruise Main Street with my granny. You know, <laughs> and that was so. On Saturday nights, she would pay for me to cruise Main Street by myself. There you go. <laughs> it was worth. It was worth the. It was worth the trade-off. You know, so 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 I was living for the weekends, living for myself. Working at a little store in Hendersonville called Win Dixie. And that's about the time that I met my wife, my now wife. Now, this is my forever wife. <laughs> I think I'll make that clear for her sake. This is my forever wife. And uh, first girlfriend I ever had. Never needed a girlfriend because I had mine. It was, my, it was one of my best friends. We skipped school together, played pinball, you know, just having a good time. And then, uh, and then back to back to my wife. She was her her family was a was a real instrument in uh, bringing me to the Lord. Her her parents went to church. Her her dad was a preacher, not at the time, but he 
he taught Sunday school and things like that. The thing was, if I wanted to have, if I wanted to spend time with Debbie on Sundays, I had to go to church. After church, we could go and spend some time together and then back to church. So guess what I done? I went to church. And that went on probably for two to three years. And you know, the interesting too, that Warner, her dad, would always give me a sandwich when I would leave. You know, I'd go get pick her up during the week. It always give me a sandwich, but I was about that. You know, that's some other stories I could tell, but I'm not going to take that. <laughs> but uh, on the way up, I threw that sandwich out the window. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't hungry, I wasn't starving. He thought I was. But and then he would have devotions. If I went and picked her up in the afternoons, he had devotions. You know, the family would get around to read the Bible, and then we could go. Um, you know, and if you know, if you know Warner and Joan, every time you went over, you had a cup of coffee and cookies. You never went over where you didn't have anything to eat. So that was, that was not really anything unusual. Uh, so before I was saved, I remember Warner had failed at Biltmore. He worked at the Biltmore house. And he was working, at, working on the scaffolding, checking some gold leafing that they were doing. He had, he had fell 40 feet onto a marble floor. I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you do. It told that story many a time. But uh, there was a little wheel on the back on that scaffolding where he hit his head. And that, that kept him from, from busting his head wide open. And his heart stopped. Only one guy in the whole place at the time that knew CPR happened to be on station right there. And they rotated the guards, you know. So he happened to be on station and he was able to give him CPR. He lived. The very reason he lived is because of why I'm standing here today, saved in the Lord. Because at the time I was not a believer. And he led me to the Lord. He led me, and I am a firm believer that he would have died right there if he didn't have a, a if God didn't have a bigger yeah. plan. Yeah. He's, he's a big God. He is a big God. Um, so Debbie and I was getting serious. We dated for two to three years. And one evening, uh, Warner said, I want to take a walk with you. You know, and, and so you know what you what you think, well, he's going to talk about marriage and stuff like that. So went up to a little barn used to be up behind his house, set on the bells of hay, and uh, he presented the gospel. Now, what he what he said exactly, I don't remember. Uh, I do remember being a little scared because he was a big man, you know. He was a little intimidating, more so intimidating uh, before you guys knew him. It was, you know, I knew him when he was about 40, close to 40 years old. And uh, and, I, and I can remember, but I do remember him sharing the gospel with me about how Christ had died and he had died for my sins and how I was a sinner and things like that. And he asked, asked me, he says, Larry, has anybody ever shared that with you before? And I says, no, they, they've not really. I said, I've, I've been to church and stuff. He said, I want to tell you that Jesus died for you, you know. And he said, he said, if you'd like to, he said, I can pray with you. We can pray together and we can accept the Lord. And I did. 
And that was the day that changed the rest of my life. The rest of my life. Warner treated me as a son from that time on. Um, and all of you know how close your family is. Dave, Jeff, Rick are all brothers to me. This, this Rick right here, if y'all don't know. This is Dave over here. Now, Rick's kind of an inbred. He's, he's brought in from the outside. But Jeff, Jeff, he's just not here. Inbred. He's an outlaw. I'm really not. Whatever. My mama whatever, whatever. Scratch that from the tape, Dave. He's like a brother anyway. Debbie and Erica have two brothers, Jeff and David. They're like brothers. Rick is like a brother. Okay, enough said about that. And Warner, Warner, Warner was like my dad because uh, about a year after me and Debbie got married, my dad died. And and so Warner came and he said, you know, Larry, he said, I'll, you know, if you have any questions, anything, he says, he says, come to me if you'd like. You know? He's always, he's always like a dad. Um, you know, and the, and the same thing with, with Warner, you know, after after Warner had died, it's been what, 10 years, nine years? Been a long time. I had I had more or less taken on responsibility kind of a son to help Jeff and Dave take care of Joan because I felt like that was part of my responsibility. Um, not only responsibility, but honoring Warner in that case. And uh, and I grew up, I grew as a believer over the next 30 years. I've been a believer for about 41 years now, I think. Spending time watching, listening, learning about life in God and a commitment from my spiritual father. You know, we all need, we all need spiritual fathers in our life. Warner was a spiritual father. Um, there would be times there the last uh, four or five years of his life when he was retired, we went fishing one day a week, all day. We'd leave at nine o'clock in the morning. Wouldn't get back till about five or six afternoon trout fishing, wading the creeks. And we'd always stop and have lunch somewhere along. I mean, we fished probably every creek around here. We would always talk about spiritual things. You know, he's always, and, I, and I've seen him many, many times somebody else fishing and he'd give he'd give about a about a three minute testimony of his life and he had a wonderful testimony his that wasn't like mine his was, his was outstanding nights hunting i'd hear him praying spending time he was he went to the raleigh state fair stayed in the camper with debbie and i you could hear him praying for the family i mean just things like that 30 years of growing under that it's just, it's just tremendous, you know, tremendous times of growth. Seeing God's provision time and time again, you know, and at the time not really realizing it was God's provision. You know, you see, you see circumstances happen over your lifetime, and then you come to a point where you can look back, you know, you can say, I've seen God working in that moment. You know, it's almost like when he fell from that scaffold. And at the time, I had no idea. 
Nobody else probably, he, he probably didn't even realize that. But looking back on that, I can see God's, God's hand, God's work. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been real interesting. Um, you know, fast forward to the last four or five years with Joan, who was, uh, she came down with dementia and things like that. And then, uh, and then seeing God work through them circumstances. You know, it was just, it, it was things, you know, circumstances might happen every now and then, but when you see them on a consistent basis, that's not circumstance. You can see God's handiwork. Things I things were done that I thought was stupid. Three years later, would prove to be good. You know, it, it's just it's it's amazing. The Lord's been showing me His sovereignty all along. Forty years, forty years. He's been showing me that, and only here of late, the last three to four years that I have really got a grasp on it, realizing that there is nothing, nothing that happens in your life or in my life that is not filtered through the hand of God. Bad or good. Bad or good. It's all filtered. And I am so, so grateful that he is patient with me and with us. I look forward to the future. Wait patiently on his lead. Salvation is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. We are saved and uh, sanctified. We're constantly being sanctified. And I'm glad. I'm glad he's still working on you. Thank you.